Well, good morning, Life Fellowship. Good to see you here this morning. Did everyone have a good Thanksgiving? We had a good one at our house. We had 19, and we ate, I mean, we had two turkeys, we had a ham, we we had lots of food left over. Uh, My sister's, my sister who lives up the road from us, and my my wife's sister who lives up the road from us all came over, and uh, we had some friends over as well. We had a great time. So I hope you and your family and your friends had a good time as well. Mark chapter 10. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10 this morning, and we are in a series called Bless, and L is for listen. Now, um, I'm 47, and if you are my age, probably any age, we can remember when things, how technology has changed how we live. And one of the things that I recognize is there's things that are different that used to be, you know, normal that are no longer normal because of what technology has done. And for every, here's, here's what, uh, this is just a Benism, okay? This is, not, this is not truth from the Word of God. But to me, I believe that every advantage or benefit that technology brings to us, it also takes something good away from us. That's what I've seen. For example, um, you know, my wife and I flew a few weeks back from Florida. We had this missions conference and we were flying back. And do you remember what it was like to fly before we had phones? Do you remember that? You would have to talk to the person next to you. Do you remember that? You would sit down, you sit in an airport and, you know, even the, you know, before you get on the plane, but you'd sit down and you sit next to people and you would actually talk to another human being that you sat next to. Now, some of you who are introverts are like, praise God for the phone. Because I don't have to start strike up a conversation, but I was just thinking about that, you know, when I was <clears throat> sitting next to my wife and we were flying from Florida to Charlotte, and I just thought, man, this plane is so quiet. I remember what it was like 20 years ago to fly. People would talk. You would get to know people and, and get to, and that to me, as an extrovert, that was always fun for me. But we don't do that anymore. You get in, you sit in your seat, and whether it's the screen on the back of the seat or the screen on your phone, you are locked in and you can sit next to someone for four hours and not say a word to them. And no one thinks it's weird. And, and that, those are the kinds of things that when I think about the world in which we live, and sometimes it's important to take a step back and say, hmm, what's different? Well, I, I believe that one of the things as we talk about listening today listening is something that has really, you know, is almost dead in our world. When you think about, again, what technology has brought with the advent of social media and the advent of the internet, and now we can review, now we have every opportunity to share every thought, opinion, idea, advice that whatever comes to our brains, we just can put it out for the world to see because you know what? I demand to be heard. And what has it done to our society? What has it done to our culture? You know, when you, think about, when you think about it, listening is almost a lost work of art today. We don't listen anymore. We, we end up talking over each other or around each other. And, and the reason why this is so important, the reason why listening is important, again, this is, this, we started this series, Bless, um, Bless is an acronym, Begin With Prayer, L is for listen, E is eat, for eat or exercise. The first S is to serve those around you, and then the last S is share the gospel. But when you think about this acronym for BLESS, um, we, it's not like they're trying to come up with some ideas and be like, okay, what should we do for L? Listen. Now, the reason why L is listen is because we have a God who listens. 
We have a God who is engaged to our own needs, that the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, he has, he has given to us the privileges. There's all these, these, these uh, the scripture that we see is, shows that he, he wants us to reach out to him. I love what the psalmist says, and there's other parts in the Bible where it talks about God, incline your ear towards me. One of the things that we see from, even from the word blessing, the ancient Israelite blessing required what? You know, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you. That part of blessing, part of the idea that God is a God, even though he is a transcendent God above all things, he is a God that desires to be close to us. And he is a God that even though he is completely omnipotent and omniscient, he is all-knowing and all-powerful, he cares to listen to our cries. And so, so when we think about this blessers, we have, we, we want you, I want you to know that this idea of bless, though it makes sense, though it works, it's a, it's a quality strategy of what we're going after. Again, this is this, in the greater picture of things, this is all about for us to be more effective at engaging in the Great Commission. Why do we want to engage in the Great Commission? Because we want to pursue at all costs a passionate God-centered life. And why do we want to, to, to pursue at all costs a passionate God-centered life? So that every man, woman, and child in Lake Norman and beyond has the opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel. All of those things that we want to see, the big picture, all, the sharing the gospel, that doesn't happen unless we listen first. Listening is the doorway for God's love. It, listening opens up the opportunities for God's love to be manifested. You know, one of the things that um, we talked about last week, begin with prayer, was this idea of praying for opportunities. And what, when you have the opportunity, listening opens the door for us to share God's love in tangible ways. But if we don't listen the chances of people wanting uh, for us to increase our relationship, our relational capital with them will decrease. Listening is something, it's not just, even though it's, it's in the Bible, it's something that God does, even in our culture, culturally I would say this, that it is a value that people desire. I, I think back to the book, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I, you remember that book? It's, it's about 30 years old. It's a great book to read. Stephen Covey wrote that. I remember reading it in college. But one of his seven habits was this, seek first to understand and then be understood. You cannot, you cannot understand and then be understood until you first listen. And, and there's another cultural proverb that, that we've all heard, and that is this, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And listening, listen, listening, is that first act of caring that we give to people. If we want to see God open up doors for us to impact Lake Norman and beyond, it's going to require us to be a people who listen. In fact, I would say this. As followers of Jesus, there's a lot of things that we can do to be known as the people of God, to be known as followers of Jesus. This is one of those things. Being people who listen that I believe will set us apart culturally in our world today. Because we won't care about how much you hear me. I want to care about how much I hear you first. And that is unique. And there is an opportunity for us to step into people's lives when we do that. So what is it? how do we listen? And what does it mean to listen? 
There's four ways that we're going to look at how listening, we make listening possible, and how listening opens doors. And the first one is this, listening requires availability. Listening requires availability. Now we're going to look at this passage here in Mark chapter 10, and here's what you got to know. Whenever you're reading one of the Gospels, it's not like the, the disciples uh, who wrote this just decide, oh, I'll throw that story in. Oh yeah, that's a good story, throw that story in. There is a framework and there is a narrative that the gospel writers are trying to accomplish. And so in the story here, Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46 through 52, the healing of Bartimaeus, it is a book and narrative to a section within, within the middle of Mark that, that is really important. So in the first part of Mark, you have Jesus establishing who he is, his authority, his lordship, his messiahship. And then in the middle, you have this middle part. It begins with a healing of a blind person, and it ends with the healing of a blind person. And it be, the first healing of the blind person happens in two stages. And so what Jesus does when he, the first healing happens in Mark 8, 22, Jesus touches his eyes and he, he says, you know, I can kind of see people like they're like trees. And then Jesus does it again. And now we can see clearly. And Jesus didn't do that because he, he just trying to practice healing. Okay. It's not like he was like, oh man, I got to figure out how to do this eyesight thing. And then what he tried, it was like, it kind of works. No, there's a, there's a symbolic reality to what, what was going on with the healing in two stages. And what he is trying to convey is people have a hard time seeing who Jesus really is. So what that means is by the time he gets to Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus is calling him Jesus, son of David. I know who you are. And within these two healings of blind people, there are three moments that Jesus tells his disciples, I am going to be betrayed, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. Now, the three times that Jesus says this to his disciples, the first time Peter takes them aside and says, Jesus, we're not going to have any of this crucifixion talk, okay? Like, like, we do not want to talk about being crucified. That is a bad look, for people. If you really want to be Messiah, you got to conquer the Romans. And this, this crucifixion talk is, we don't want to hear that. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. The second time Jesus says it, the disciples are silent. They, it says that they did not understand and they were afraid to ask him what he meant by that. The third time he says it, the third time, they don't do or say anything. Except for Peter and, or I'm sorry, James and John go to him and say, hey, Jesus, we want to sit at your right and your left in glory. Were the disciples getting it? They weren't getting it. Three times he tried to describe, this is who I am. This is my mission. This is my vision. This is what I'm here to do. And they didn't get it. But there was a guy who got it. And that was Bartimaeus. And, and again, let's look what it says in, in verse 46. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a, great, in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and, and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, 
Go, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Now, some of the details in the story that we're going to be talking about really make sense or they, give, they, they, they help you understand what the details are about based on what's going on around it. Okay, so what we have is Jesus leaving Jericho. And Jericho, we understand during that time, it was, a, was a very, it was kind of like a resort town. Think about it. It's a place where you would go uh, to, to get away. It was, it was um, called the, the, the Eden of the East back in those days. Wonderful gardens. It was by water. It was by mountains. It was the ultimate resort town where wealthy people would go on vacation. And so it makes sense that there's a reason why a blind beggar would be at the, at the gates of Jericho because he knows there's going to be rich people walking by. And it also makes sense that with the story of the Good Samaritan, what, where's this guy traveling from? Jericho to Jerusalem. And why are robbers hanging out on this road? Because they know wealthy people travel this road. And so Jesus is going, he's going to Jericho and he's leaving Jericho. And we know that from the, the gospel account in Luke, that this is where Jesus met Zacchaeus. So he's doing ministry there. But Jesus, Jesus, oh, and, and right after this passage, what is Jesus going to be doing? He's going to do, he's going to Jerusalem to face his final weeks on earth and going to the cross. Jesus, Jesus is on mission. And, and, but, but in the midst of all of these details, of all this chaos going around, Jesus stops for Bartimaeus. And why does he stop for him? Why does Jesus stop for Bartimaeus? Look at what it says in the verse previous before this narrative begins. Now, again, Jesus is talking to his disciples. James and John want to sit on his right and left. He's like, you don't understand what you're even asking for. The other disciples get ticked off because we want to sit on his right and left. They're all worried about who's going to have greatness and power and authority and attention and, and glory. And Jesus ends his teaching time with them by saying this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. You know why Jesus stopped for Bartimaeus? Jesus stopped because that's what His purpose was for. Jesus made Himself available. He made Himself available to a man who was crying out in need, because that's what Jesus does. Jesus, when he hears cries for help, he stops and he helps. And when you think about it, if we are going to be followers of Jesus, if we're going to claim the name Christian over our lives, that will require us to, if we're going to align ourselves to the person of Jesus, if Jesus modeled listening perfectly for us, what we have to do is we have to be able to make sure that we are available to people and people that are not even like us. That we're not just available for our friends, we're not just available to our people in our social class. We are available to all people. Jesus made himself available to Bartimaeus. You know, one of the things that we see in how people thought about blind people in those days, we see this in, in John chapter 9 when, when Jesus is with his disciples and one of his disciples asks when, he sees, when they see a blind man on the side, they say, who sinned, Rabbi, this man or his parents? And what, is, what does that tell you about the mindset of people in those days? What that tells you is if they saw people in physical deformity or have some kind of ailments, they believed, the common, the common belief in that day was, hey, they are, they're, they're doing this because God, they're, they're paying a penalty for what, something evil that they did. 
So they were less than. Yet Jesus stops. Jesus' response to his disciples in John 9 was, this man and his parents have done nothing wrong. This, was, this man is blind for the opportunity for my glory to be seen in this moment. That's why I healed him. But for, for Jesus to stop and to make himself available meant that he was in tune with why he was here in the first place. And we have to do the same thing. You know, your life mission is not so that, you know, you can build up your nest egg, retire at your, at your age, and then, you know, spend the rest of your life in leisure and travel and hang. Listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, your main purpose in life is to give him glory. Your main purpose in life is to represent him. Remember, going all the way back, God is looking for partners who will represent him in this world. And one of the ways we represent him in this world is that when people are in need or in help, we are people who are available. We don't have our heads down and saying, this is why I'm here. We don't, we don't get distracted on side things. There is a main point to our lives, and that is to serve Jesus and to love others like Jesus loves us. You know, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. And it, listen, I've, I've shared this with you. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday because it has good food, it has family, and it has football. I mean, that's a sermon, people. I mean, amen? I mean, it's just, it's just I, lo- I love it. I love that this holiday. And, but here's the thing. Family, food, and football. But what is the most important? You now, if you say football, you're wrong. What's the most, most important is family or friends. You know, the reason why Thanksgiving is so special is because you get to spend time with people that you love and you get to share your life with them and you get to reflect on who God is and what God has done in our lives over the past year. I love Thanksgiving. You know, we can get so caught up on the food part. Is the food right? Is, do we have enough food? Does everyone have the best? And we, got, we can get so distracted on the food or you get distracted on the football, football but the, the main thing, the main thing is, is our family and friends. And, and when that's how you best enjoy Thanksgiving. That's what makes Thanksgiving what it is. And in the same way, if we make our lives about the periphery of things, if we make our lives about our occupation, if we make our lives about you know, you know, fulfilling my own pleasures, my own wants, my own desires, I need to be heard, you're missing why you're here. We will only make ourselves available as much as we understand how God has made himself available for us. We will only make ourselves available as much as we understand how God has made himself available for you and for me. And so we create margin for people in need because God came to seek and to save the lost. So we've got to be available. That's number one. Number two, listening means being attuned. Not only does listening mean that we've got to be available, listening means being attuned. I love what this, again, this blind beggar, Bartimaeus, is crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. But look at verse 48. This is where this, you know, these details of the story are really interesting. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried all the more, Jesus, have, Son of David, have mercy on me. They're telling him to shut up. Now, why would the crowd tell Bartimaeus, shut your mouth, we don't want to hear you? There's two, again, one of the keys to Bible study, ask the Bible questions. 
Why would the crowd tell Bartimaeus, be quiet? There's two options. Either A, they were looking at their own lives and saying, I want Jesus to help me. It says there's a great crowd surrounding him. And we know that this, he is a miracle worker. We know he is a great teacher. But there is a great crowd around him. And so maybe the reason was, I want Jesus to help me and I don't want him to help you. Or the second option is this. They have the same, remember the mindset of people, what people have towards blind people? They don't think he's worth helping. They think he should sit there and soak in his, 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 his problems and say, you know what, you deserve that. You deserve to be like that. And your loud yelling and shouting is annoying all of us. Stay in the corner and suffer. That was the mindset of some people, I'm sure. But Jesus, but Jesus, what does he do? Verse 49, I love this. And Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. Why did Jesus stop? And not only was Jesus available, but Jesus was attuned to hearing his name, Jesus, son of David. He was attuned to someone who knew who he was. And he, he stopped and he said, call him. You know, being attuned to someone is so important. This means that, that we're not just physically there with another person, but we are emotionally there. We are spiritually there. That we are, we're not just present physically, but we're present, we're all in. We are listening. Our eyes are on the person. You know, I'll never forget this moment I saw. I was going to a pastor's breakfast at a Christian school around here, and um, I'm walking in, and the parents are dropping kids off, and there's this mom dropping off her kid at school, and this kid had to been like, I know, second, third, fourth grade, I can't tell, you know, when they get a certain age, I'm like, I, I know you're young, but, you know, he was right around, he was a young kid, and, and I remember he got out of the car, and he said, bye, mom, and the mom is on her phone scrolling, Okay. Second time, mom, bye. She just sits there, scrolls. Third time, mom, bye. Nothing. Finally, turns around, shuts the door, walks into school. All that boy wanted was some attention from his mom. Listen, I want to go around the car and have a talking with that woman. What are you doing? Your kids need you. See, we've got to get off our devices and stop looking at our screens and start looking at people. Start looking at people. Yeah, you, some, of you, some of you parents are like, amen. Kids, you hear that? But parents, you're just as guilty. Listen, I see, I see families in these booths and these restaurants, and they're all, what are they all doing? They're all like this, you know? They're on their device. The, listen, being attuned to someone is very important because Jesus, Jesus was attuned to the cries. He knew that cry was serious. And here's what you and I need to remember, that not everyone who is in need and not everyone who, who, has, who is in need of help will cry out. For help, but they will let you know they need help. 
it's sometimes it's not always a cry. And we and we know this in we know this in our relationships, right? We know this when we have children or in our marriages. We know, you know, you go home and you're like, hey, how are you? Fine. Did you have a good day? It was okay. You know, you seem you seem like uh, you're a little quiet. Are you sure everything's all right? I said I'm fine. Now, is everything fine? No. You know, not, you know something's not fine because if someone was fine, you can tell emotionally. You can tell that when someone is really okay. It's not what people say. It's how people act. And you as a spouse or you as a parent know when you know, sl- slamming of doors, the, uh, the short, you know, short you know, answers or to responses to questions, you know something's not right. Here, here's what you and I need to be aware of is that there are people around us who are who are close to us but far from God, they are crying out for help, but they may not be saying a word. They, they may just, the way that they're acting, the way they're behaving, the things that they're saying, the things they're doing, they're saying, I need to ask, I need to ask Bill how he's doing. I need to ask Sarah what's going on in your life. Because what the, as the people of God, sometimes we have to stop. And we have to not just make ourselves available, we have to look into, their, to, into them, attune to them and say, I know something's not right. Can we talk? That's what listening is. Listening is not just hearing words, but it's being that emotionally available and present with that person and saying, what you have to say matters and what's going on in you matters. Listening opens a door for God's love. And so we've got to be attuned to those things inside of them of what their needs really are. And that leads us to the third point, as listening doesn't assume. So listening makes us, we, we have to become available, we have to be attuned, but also listening doesn't assume. We don't assume what we know what the problem is. Look at what Jesus, let's continue walk, walk, listening and what Jesus says, that Jesus stopped and called him and they called the blind man saying, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, now, now we know he's blind. I'm, we know the reason why Jesus knows he knows he's blind because he probably needed help going to Jesus. Right? He's blind. He knows that Jesus is there, but he needed help. To, but look what Jesus does. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Now, that question is a very important question. And that question is actually going to relate to the previous story, but we'll get there. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus doesn't assume that he knows the whole story. Okay? And in Bartimaeus' response, there's a story. Okay? Look, what Jesus, look how Bartimaeus responds. And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Ooh. There's a story in that word, recover. You see, part of, part of caring for people is not assuming, is not assuming we know what they need. Man, I, that means Bartimaeus at one point could see. That means that one, he had lost it at some point. Maybe it was an accident, maybe it was a disease. We don't know what it was. But in the very words, let me recover my sight, what Bartimaeus was saying is, I used to have something good, and I lost it. And I want that, I want that goodness back in my life. 
See, if we ask the questions of people, when we ask the questions of people, we find out what's really going on in their hearts. Don't assume you know what people need. One of the things I, I got uh, years ago, I went through some training to be a, a certified church planting coach through this denomination, through this network. And uh, one of the things that they gave you as a coach when you're meeting with these church planters is you could see, you know, they might be able to tell you what's going on in their church plant or their ministry or their life, and you can see what the issue is. You can see what the problem is. And maybe you, you get this as a parent, sometimes you can see the issues in your children's lives. You can see the issues in your spouse's life. You can see the issues in your friend's lives. But one of the things that they, te- they taught us is never answer questions that people aren't asking. Never answer questions that people aren't asking. Why do you not answer questions that people aren't asking? Because they're not ready for the answer. They're not ready for it. And, and so you might, be, you might have someone around you who's in great need, and you say, man, this person needs the gospel, Right? But what you t- when you talk to them and you, when you listen to them and when they, you hear the cries of their heart, their biggest need is, I just need someone to mow my lawn this Saturday. And, and we don't stop there. Yeah, but what, what you really need, Joe, is you need Jesus. No, what we need to do is meet people where they are and mow the lawn. Because when we listen to them, we know how to serve them. And when we know how to serve them, it opens the door for us to share the love of Jesus with them. It begins with listening. Listening opens doors. We don't assume what people need. And this is true. Listen, one of the biggest things I, I I see Christians fall into this trap over and over again. You work with someone, you go to school with someone, you're around someone, you're in the family. Someone in your life is agnostic, atheist, is anti God, anti Christian, anti church, and they are strongly, you know, opposed to it. And so, you know, they say things to get on your nerves and you say things to get on their nerves and you, you kind of go at it like this. You ever do that with someone? And I think the Bible is just a, you know, made up of fairy tales. It's, it's the word of God and you just, and you start, you know, arguing and debating and listen, we will never have a, a, an argument evangelism class here. Never going to have it. Because arguing with someone doesn't really get to their hearts. One of the things that you've got to do when someone is really passionate against God, against Jesus, against the Bible, against church, what you've got to do is become curious. There's a story behind that anger. And if we take the time to listen, if we take the time to listen to people who are actually anti-God, as opposed to thinking that God needs our help defending him. No, what that person really needs is not more, you know, he doesn't need another debate. He doesn't need to be argued into anything. What that person really needs is to feel heard, known, and loved. Now, whether that person ever responds to the gospel, we let God take care of that. But what we are responsible for is making sure that that person has some level of an expression of the love of God in their life. Don't assume. Stop assuming that you know what people need until you first ask them. And that requires listening. Now, that leads us to our last point, as this listening leads to action. We've got to become available. 
We've got to be attuned to what's really going on in their life. We've got, we can't assume what they really are in need of. And then lastly, listening leads to action. Listening is going to know, how do we respond to this need? How do I respond to what's, what this person is saying? Now, again, what does Jesus say to this? What do you want me to do for you? The blind man says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I love that because the reason why we know Bartimaeus is, there's a lot of people Jesus healed. We don't know all their names. We know Bartimaeus' name. Why do we know Bartimaeus' name? Because it says right after Jesus healed him that he started following him. He pursued Jesus. He walked with them to Jerusalem. So the disciples got to know him. They got to know his name. There's a lot of people that were healed by Jesus and said, thank you, Jesus. I'm on my way home. Bartimaeus was unique in that he, he was healed and continued to follow. There's more that... Bartimaeus wanted more than just being healed from his sight. Now, I said this question, we're going to see this question again. This is the second time Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? Look up in verses, verse 35. Again, this is after Jesus announces that the third time he is going to be betrayed and killed on a cross. And then the next thing that we see is that, verse 35, And James and John, the, son of Ze- the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Have you ever prayed that? I mean, it's Christmas season, kids. I want, Mom and Dad, when I ask you whatever I want for Christmas, you have to give it to me. You gotta love it. You gotta love the tricks that James and John are pulling here. And what does Jesus respond with? And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? It's the same question, the same wording. The same wording he asked James and John is the same wording he asks Bartimaeus. Jesus is trying to teach us something here. What did James and John want? Well, let's see what what they say. He said, they said to him, verse 37, grant to us one to sit at your right hand and one to sit at your left in your glory. What did they want? They wanted glory for themselves. They wanted power. They wanted privilege. They wanted authority. They wanted glory. We want something from you, Jesus. You see, one of the things, one of the most dangerous things we can turn God into is a means to an end. James and John were looking at Jesus and saying, we're looking at you, and if you give to us what we really want, then we will have a better way of ourselves. They were using Jesus to get something for themselves. Bartimaeus, what did he want? I want to recover my sight. But we, we know that Bartimaeus, even though both, Peter, both James and John and both Bartimaeus all wanted something that would benefit them, Right? I mean, sitting at the right and the left of Jesus, that would benefit James and John. Bartimaeus recovering his sight, that would benefit Bartimaeus, but there was something deeply different about both of these requests. And it had to do with, why do you want this request met? One had everything to do with, Jesus, I want to glorify you with my life. I'm going to keep following you. One was, I want people to look at me and think I am great. 
when we listen, God gives us the ability to discern how to help those who are in need. We've got to learn to listen. Now, we do this as parents, hopefully. I keep using the illustration of devices, but if you, when you're a parent of a small child and they start asking you for a phone, you as the parent should know when, or, when they deserve it or not. And you, it's not a matter of, but everyone else. No, it's a matter of, are you mature enough to handle a loaded gun in your pocket? That's what it's about. And so, and so as parents, and as people, we've got to learn how to discern. Now, he, the application of this, we're going to get to, but let me just stop and just say this. Some of you, if Jesus was to ask you this question this morning, what do you want me to do for you? What would you ask for? What would be your desire? And how you respond to that question. Now, some of us have been praying those things. And some things that we are praying for are really good. They're really good. We praise God. Some, some of your desires are, you feel like are in alignment with what God wants. But let me just say this. At the end of the day, what that question reveals and how we respond to how Jesus answers that request is really rooted in, do I want Jesus to get the glory or myself? Am I looking for something better for me or am I looking for something better for his name? That is a question that reveals a lot. And for us, if we are going to ask that question of others, we, it gives us the opportunity to know how to respond, how not to respond. Did Jesus tell James and, or James and John, yeah, go, you can do it. You know what he said to him? You don't even know what you're asking for. I'm about to go to the cross. And he has told them three times, three times. And how he describes it, the last one, this is what he says. See, we are going to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And James and John are saying, we want to sit in your right and left hand. Jesus is saying, you don't understand what it means to follow me. This is not about you. It's about me. And as we listen to people, we get to meet people where they're at. And here's, here's the good news. That we, God will give us, as we listen to God, God will give us the wisdom and the discernment to know how to help people who are in need. There are times that people will be around you and, and the person who's close to you but far from God will, will be asking and wanting things that will ultimately lead to, that will harm them in the end. We don't, just because we're Christians doesn't mean we turn into, you know, make a wish foundation. What it does mean is that we ask for God, God, what do they really need? Help me to know how to meet needs. Help me to know how to respond to this person in love. But you can't do that without listening. Listening opens the doors for God's love. And what you have an opportunity this week is to do that. You have an opportunity this week to listen to someone. I promise you this, God has put someone in your life who needs to be listened to. They might not have been saying a thing, but they need to be listened to. A few questions, and then we're done. Number one, 
Have you made yourself available for others who are in need? Have you made yourself available for others in need? There are people who are in need around you. Do you have your focus in on yourself, head down, nose of the grindstone, filling your life with, on your calendar, your, you know, everything is about what you are trying to do in life. And you have, you have abandoned the mission of God, of why He has you in your neighborhood, in your job place, in your school, in your family. Number two, who is in need of your attention and focus? Who needs to be attuned to? Again, they might, they might be crying out, they might be silent, but there's something going on. You notice this person needs attention. And I'm going to spend some time digging a little bit deeper say, hey, how can I help? Third, what are the questions you need to start asking of others? It's not assume. It's not assume that we know what someone needs, but let's start asking questions of people to know what's really going on in their heart. And when we do that, they will tell us what their needs are. Lastly, how will you grow in wisdom and discernment to know how to help those in need? How will you grow? How we do that is we learn how to discern from God what's in our own hearts. That when God asks us that question for, to us, what do you want me to do for you? We see how God has answered that in our own lives. And as we see how God has answered that in our own lives, we are able to answer that for others.